What's up, everybody? My name is Maddie. I am a Aries sun, a Taurus moon, and a Capricorn rising. And I'm Reeves, and I am a Aquarius sun, Libra moon, and Gemini rising. And we're the Oh God Podcast. Woohoo! We are a faith community that seeks to ask questions and have conversations about things that we don't often talk about in church and just talk about the things that we are curious about, the things that we've been deconstructing, and the things that we have been talking about in conversation with other people who are trying to find a better way to have faith practice that feels less harmful. So welcome to a faith community that redefines faith in a world that isn't as definitive as the church can often make it seem. Nice. Man, that intro. By George, we will get through <laughs> the intro. We did it. Oh my gosh. Every single time we just struggle so hard. I feel like I'm like that in most conversations though. Like that shows how I'm very extroverted, but I'm also very uh, awkward. No. Oh I feel God. like. And yeah. so... I like don't know how to start mm-hmm. it, but I can get into a conversation right. with you. Yeah. Yes. I, I feel that. I feel lead. like this is very, um, what's the word? Reflective of my conversations <laughs> with people because the first like three minutes of me talking to someone, I'm like, why did I say any of that? And why did I say it in such a weird way? But then once we get rolling, I'm like, okay, I can talk to people. I yeah. just really don't know how to segue into it. <laughs> I feel like I just do that um, new girl Nick move where I just like moonwalk into (laughs) a conversation and just hope I can stay there. Right. Like the Michael Scott quote where he's like, I don't know what I'm going to say. I just just find it along the way. Right, right. Find it along the way. Uh, Well, speaking of the moon. um, What? (laughs) Were we? (laughs) I'm just kidding. I guess we said our. Moonwalking. Yeah. Oh, right. I'm moonwalking into this. with the segues. Um, I know we're talking about. Mm. Um, astrology today but I wanted to so one of the questions I have for everyone so at some point like message us or let us know because I'm curious is like who else out there is like really obsessed with the moon I feel like because Maddie is in quarantine Mm -hmm. the moon and I became good friends great friends um what's that TikTok audio where it's like I'm not going to be in a relationship with you you two stick I'm in a relationship with the moon yeah that's how I feel sometimes Uh. (laughs) um I love the moon. And I've set some 2022 goals mm-hmm. that um, I would love some support on. Uh-huh. So I saw this website where basically, well, there's multiple websites. So there's one that teaches you like how to read your chart so that you can predict what's going to happen in the next year. Okay. So it's like a farmer's almanac for your life. Nice. I know. That's what we all need. I know. And like if I know these things, right? how many guesses can mm-hmm. I get right? Mm-hmm. without like influencing it right, right. Yeah, yeah um so one of my things is i want to like put a little like prediction together based off my chart mm-hmm. and you can plan all of that by the moon by mm-hmm. the moon cycles which is um fun but there's also this whole thing on cartography Ooh. so if you know your chart and you put it on this website and it will lay it out on a map and there's lines on this map and it will tell you where to go to like where like places you should never visit places you should places you should live places you should never live where you should go if you want to like attract certain things so if you want love go to this place if you want money go to this place interesting all based off the moon wow i know (laughs) that's incredible wow the thing that like that made me think of this will connect i promise so stick with me (laughs) i am strapped okay so i just started this new show actually i finished it last night it was really sad i didn't know i was finishing it but it was the last episode so it's called ghosts it's on hbo max and it's a sitcom it's a british like bbc sitcom and it's hilarious um but it's essentially this couple that like moves into a um 
they, a home that they inherit. And there's all these ghosts of people who've died on that property, like over the years. Uh-huh. It's very fun. But there's this <laughs> one character named Robin and he was a caveman that died like on that property, like, you know, in caveman times. Uh-huh. Um, but there's this one episode where, uh, there's like a, an eclipse and Robin is doing this like moon ritual that like <laughs> he had been doing I don't know that uh-huh. was like a part of like his family traditions or whatever um anyways and he always calls the moon Muna and it just really anyway the whole time you were talking I was like Muna <laughs> very funny show love it amazing but, um yes I'll add that moon. to my mm-hmm. watch list. I think you would like that episode particularly because moon energy but mm-hmm. I need to watch something other than Vampire Diaries, which I've rewatched again. You know, so. I'm still back at Grey's Anatomy. So uh-huh. if one thing is consistent, things. right, it's that. Okay, so as we are getting close to Christmas time, um, yeah, we, um, we wanted to do an episode where we kind of talk about... Um, one, just like the significance of um, astrology within the Christmas story, yeah. but then also like how that connects with how Christian's attitude has been towards astrology, like over time, um, talking a little bit about the wise man and how like that interacts with like astrology. And yeah, I think that it's just a really interesting, um, I know the wise man is always a part of the story that has really stuck out to me because- mm-hmm. I don't know. There, I just like yeah. I've always thought it was so interesting that they like traveled like, you know. There's some of my favorite characters. Right. For like a bunch of reasons. I'm sure mm-hmm. at some point we'll get into. But like I feel like it's a part of the story. Yeah. That like we talk about the three kings or the three wise men. But we don't talk about like they're following a giant star in the sky. Right. Right. For like And studying it and like planning yes. when it's coming. And, like there's some cool layers to it. There are. Yeah. So I feel like that's always a part of the nativity that I've been really fascinated by. Um, so I'm just really excited to talk about it and talk about the overlaps between just like astrology um, and like our relationship as Christians with the stars and the moon and all that jazz. I love it. Yeah. Um, okay. So to start off, I thought it would be good to kind of just like look back at the actual passage where we see the wise men mm-hmm. um because i needed a little brushing up on it i mean i feel like with the um with any of the nativity stories there's like different accounts and we kind of like mix them all together in mm-hmm. our mind similar with like the creation myths right like we put it in as one story but in reality there's like several different accounts um so i want to read specifically the account from matthew and that is the only passages where we see the wise men mm-hmm. so um it's matthew 2 1 through 12 So after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem of Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I may too go and worship him. 
After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. In coming to the house, they saw that the child was with his mother Mary, and they bowed down to worship him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Well, we just learned that I am not good at reading verses out loud because uh, thank you, Maddie, for jumping in there every (laughs) once in a while. (laughs) Amazing. No. I just had flashbacks, like severe flashbacks to elementary school when you get called on and you uh-huh. like mess up a word in and the middle like of class. And you've been like reading your paragraphs right. and you forget everything else. Oh uh-huh. my gosh. Yeah. No, um, I reading out loud is not my strong suit. I love this part of the story so much. Even in just listening to it, there's stuff to me that I like, I just think are so fascinating. Um, like the fact that in this, we see them following the star, but we also see them like synced up to their dreams. So this like really spiritually mm-hmm. in tune set of people, right? That are yeah. not only like charting the stars, but also like trusting that when someone or something comes right. to and them like in a dream, intuition. Mm-hmm. that they're not supposed to go back and they choose not to do that, even yeah. though technically they're not of the same faith tradition. Right. Yeah. It is. Su- there are a lot of layers there. It is such an interesting, I think that's one of the reasons I like this story is because it is so like spiritually connected mm-hmm. right because mm-hmm. that whole idea is i love anytime we see something about a dream or something coming to you in a dream but then just that whole idea of like literally traveling to follow a star based off of a, like prophecy and premonition of you know everything so oh it's so good yeah um so yeah a few just like tidbits about this passage um there aren't actually three wise men. We don't know the like how many there actually were. It just lists that there were three gifts. So um, we we get that idea of there being three wise men from a specific um, story that came much later in the eighth century. Hmm. So um, different traditions see them as having different numbers. So in Eastern Christianity, it's um, more common for them to believe that there are twelve magi. Um, And we didn't really start seeing them as three kings until like the third century. They started being like called kings instead of just like magi. And that comes from a prophecy in Psalms 72, 11, where it says, may all the kings fall down before him. And then there's another passage, Isaiah 61 through 6, which refers to kings coming to the brightness over the dawn and bearing gold um, gold and frankincense. So that kind of makes sense. Um, and you know, don't hold me to this because this is me piecing things together. But like you said before, like we do know that the Christmas story, similar to other stories, are they're written by two different authors with two different target audiences. And the only thing that overlaps in the Christmas stories is that Jesus was born in Bethlehem and raised in Nazareth. Right. And I guess the only two commonalities that right. you get, everything else is different and unique, which points to the idea that the truth is more important than the fact. Um, right. And the only two facts you needed was. Bethlehem Nazareth right and so in thinking of that too the authors would have known those things right to be able to pull Mm -hmm. in order to kind of tweak and make things fit under kind of the umbrella of what is written in Psalms or what might have been written in Isaiah yeah um which is a cool like linking so this idea of like they brought gold and frankincense and then we refer to them as kings um because the author probably knew that reference when they were writing it Yes, absolutely. And it is um, so interesting because 
this story, the the story of like wise men following a star mirrors um, a pretty common Iranian myth, a Zoroastrian Iranian myth um, mm-hmm. that would have been like around that time, which was a story about these um, wise men or magi following like a bright star. Yeah. So in one of the articles I read, um, Sebastian Brock, who is a historian, like a Christian historian, said that there's, um, he has no doubt that there are like a lot of ties between those Zoroastrian and Zoroastrian myths and um, this story in the Magi that we see in the Gospels, because um, this Iranian legend concerning the Magi and the star was directly connected with like the Persian beliefs in the rise of a star predicting a birth of a ruler, mm-hmm. with these myths um, describing like manifestation of a divine figure born of like fire and light which like when we look at that I mean that has pretty direct ties with this story that we're seeing where it's like these magi following a star and that prophesying the birth of a ruler being Mm. Jesus which I think is super interesting right that um that we see these other beliefs kind of intermingling similarly Mm -hmm. with creation myths right there was a lot of other religions that kind of came and influenced those myths and I think that that's one of those places where we see like you know, how does this story tell us about what, who this God is and not right. so much the facts of what happened in the nativity story? Yeah. Right. Oh, I had two thoughts while you're talking mm-hmm. about that. The first is that's interesting that that is like the tie of like a ruler of what do you say? Like fire and light or something, right? Yeah. This um, divine figure in fire and light. So what, said. what I think is funny about that imagery, and this is something that I think we referenced actually when we talked about hell in our hell episode is that the idea of Lucifer being the morning star. Oh, yeah. Being birds of fire and light. But then yeah. Jesus is also referred to as the morning star throughout right. the Gospels. Right. This interesting overlap of imagery mm-hmm. that is... And like star imagery. Right. Like star Ooh. imagery. Right. Imagery that is acceptable in one context and not acceptable in another yeah. context. Mm-hmm. Um, not that that's relevant to this. But I do think it's interesting that you yeah. see that like blending. Yeah. Um, and... I think it's cool also when we think about like who is this God that's being born and we talk a lot about God being like the, a God for all people and yeah. like present for all people. Um, and while we often get that wrong, I think even in this, this like overlapping of story and tradition and presence within the story kind of right. points to that a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's so interesting in general. So like in my full-time job, I'm um, in college ministry and we've been talking a lot about like um, a lot of like mythology within Christianity. So we also in that context talked about like heaven and hell and angels and demons and the devil and all these things. And one thing that I have found super interesting is a lot of those beliefs and I'm seeing a tie-in here as well is a lot of those beliefs were very heavily influenced by Zoroastrianism, Mm -hmm. which is so fascinating to me. And it makes me want to know a lot more about like I've learned, I've picked up on pieces of it through like a lot of the research I've done in the past couple months, but um, definitely want to learn more about some of those myths and things like that, because it's interesting to find like time and time again, as I've researched, it's like, oh, Zoroastrianism again. Like there's another like touch point of like something that like, you know, we didn't really think of until we came into contact with that religion. Yeah. Just fascinating. Yeah. So, so there was a Roman king named Tiridates the first of Armenia who was, um, and he and his magi wanted to pay homage to Emperor Nero mm. um, in 66 AD. And so they um, took this like journey to the east, which is likely um, 
a few years before the date of the composition of the book of Matthew, which is interesting. So they kind of took this journey, a very similar journey, like before the book of Matthew was written. So some people also think that maybe that incited or like um, caused the author of Matthew to like almost take a different commentary on it of like hmm. that event had just happened in history, you know, like that right. can be proven. And then this was written a few years later. And so maybe that's like fresh on people's minds of like a similar magi that was traveling mm-hmm. to pay homage to a different king. That, oh, that overlaps beautifully. Also, if you think about the Easter story mm-hmm. and listen, because well, you think about like, the whole thing within the Easter story specifically on good Friday is this idea of like the parallel between Jesus and institution, Jesus and ruler. Right. right. Um, and how like the language that's used and the imagery that's used throughout the depiction of what happens that week directly like juxtaposes those two things. Yeah. And so that's interesting that that would also be a thing in the entrance of Christ into the world that you would have this story that directly juxtaposes that language and that imagery. Right. Yeah. I just think it, all of those little pieces are so interesting of Mm -hmm. what could have influenced the authors and what is like a commentary on things that were actually happening and what is kind of a, you know, a way of them to relate to God and the divine. Mm -hmm. I just, I think all of it is so fascinating. Um, so if we like jump forward to the eighth century, that is, there was a, um, chronicle known as, and this is going to be in Latin. I don't know Latin. So excerpta Latina barbari, barbari. I don't know. It's no longer a spoken language. So whatever you right. got works. I think, you know, I think I did well, honestly, Duolingo, uh, hire me. Um, so <laughs> So um, that chronicle is where we get the idea of there being three specific ones, um, three specific magi, and their names. Um, Fun fact, I just want to quiz you, um, which if you've already looked, then you fail. But um, do you happen to know the three names? I have no idea. Okay. I don't even know how how to pronounce. No, because I can see them. Okay. And you, yeah. I have no idea how you even pronounce Um, them. Anyone out there, if you knew them before I say them, please message me and I'll be super impressed. But okay. So the names are Melchior. Gaspar, Gasper, I guess, um, which also apparently he's also called Casper or Jasper. Um, so they just couldn't decide. And then Balthazar. And they this story is also where we get the idea of them coming from specific different countries. Um, huh. Whereas obviously in the book of Matthew, it doesn't really say anything. It literally just says from the east. So scholars assume somewhere in the Persian empire. Um, but so Melchior was from Persia, Gaspar was from India and Balthazar was from Arabia. So interesting. Wow. Okay. So I read this really, really interesting article about, um, some astronomy and like actual astronomical events that could have potentially caused the star of Bethlehem, which is interesting because (laughs) definitely when I look back at this story, Mm -hmm. I personally view it more as a story that just tells us about, you know, these ideas of how we can relate to the divine, the significance of Jesus's birth, things like that. Like I don't really view it as being, you know, a a historical event of Magi coming to Mm -hmm. Bethlehem. But I did think that this article was super fascinating and um, can lend to a lot of like, I don't know, descriptions of how we could view there being like, maybe there was a really bright star. Mm -hmm. And so then they wrote a story that also kind of talked about this. So anyways, um, So there's an astronomer named Michael Molnar 
um, who points out the fact that in the East is a literal translation from a Greek phrase that means ente anatole, um, which is a technical term used specifically in Greek mathematical astrology 2,000 years ago. So it was specifically okay. used in Greek astrology 2,000 years ago, which was right around the time of right. the birth and you know right around the time generally of when the book would have been written. So um, it, that term specifically means when a planet kind of rises above the horizon just before the sun appears, mm -hmm. and it causes a planet to kind of disappear and then appear very brightly mm -hmm. um, for a like very brief moment, and you can see like the star or whatever. So um, in terms of astronomy, this only really happens with planets because stars generally don't move very much at least they would you would never be able to perceptively tell like as a human within your lifetime but there are times when planets move even though they move approximately the same path every time they travel at different speeds and so sometimes they lap each other and when the sun, ca sun catches up with the planet we can't see the planet and then when it passes a little bit farther the planet reappears mm -hmm. um and this is where it causes this thing called heliacal rising. Mm -hmm. um, and a heliacal rising is that first reappearance of a planet or ente anatole, which is from the east. That is what this astronomer, Michael Molnar, thinks could have possibly happened mm -hmm. back 2,000 years ago during the, you know, with Jesus's birth, is that there was this, that Jupiter had this heliacal rising, causing it to be... Um, this bright star in the east that then astrologers and magi could have seen as this sign of a prophecy coming true, mm -hmm. which I think is super fascinating that this specific yeah. event, and they actually have gone back and it would have been, they have dated it to that this event would have happened around April of um, 6 BC. It would have been Jupiter that would have had a heliacal rising. And then it would have um, ended around like December 19th. So they think that, um, which I think is so fascinating that mm -hmm. they can even like date it back that far. Right. I mean, I'm not a big science person, but I'm, well, I'm, and, I think that's so cool. And the thought too, um, that's wild. Right. Um, but that in order to know that that was coming, that meant that they had to have been anticipating that it would happen. Right. right? Like, yeah. And they were already in motion and already traveling. So this yes. idea that like, not only did this event happen, they were tracking it. They knew it was happening and they right. anticipated something would correlate with it. Yes. That was going to be, absolutely bigger that's cool yeah i thought it was so cool i'm definitely um i mean like always we'll link all of these resources but 10 out of 10 recommend that specific article because one he's an expert and i'm not i'm a <laughs> very non-expert butchering My, his work yeah <laughs> so um read the article because it was so 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 fascinating yeah but i think that brings us to the juicy, juicy part, which is actually talking about astrology. And because I think you're so right, like, yes, there is that specific piece of like the stars were doing a very specific thing around mm -hmm. that time and they can track that. But then there's also like the interpretation of that, which brings mm -hmm. us to astrology, which yeah. I think is so, so fascinating. Yes. Okay. So um, something that like I really wanted to focus on in this research was talking about like the way that our attitude has changed toward astrology as Christians, because I mean, I feel like looking at the Bible, we see a lot of places where it's talking about planets or it's talking about astrology and things like that. But yet there seems to be this super negative view as Christians, mm -hmm. just generally speaking towards astrology. 
so we can see um, actually in the Dead Sea Scrolls, they found some horoscopes, which I thought was kind of cool. <laughs> oh my, okay. The first visual that I got when you said that is like those horoscopes that you get out of like Cosmopolitan Magazine or something. <laughs> That's like, here's, right. here's the book of Esther. And when you turn to the next page, you can see what's coming up right. for you in the next <laughs> month. It's like a cheesy like clickbait <laughs> ad, but like horoscopes in the Dead Sea Scrolls. Oh God, I love that. Yes. Um, there are also some scholars who note that Midrashic and Talmudic literature displays ongoing interest in like aspects of heavenly prediction. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that's fascinating because I think there's so many times when we look back as Christians and read something in a very specific way, mm -hmm. whereas in reality, like astrology um, in Jewish history was often like practiced by rabbis and stuff like that. And obviously, like I did look up some stuff where just like in Christianity and Judaism, there are some people who are like, yes, astrology is fine. And there are some people who are like, well, in certain contexts. And then there's some people who are like, absolutely never. You right. know, it's, there's a lot of room for interpretation, but um, I think there are people in each of those spaces who believe and disagree. So um, it really didn't start until Augustine um, where we started to Ugh. dislike astrology. <laughs> surprise, surprise. I, no one is shocked by that. No. <laughs> um, so he very vocally denounced astrology. Um and believed that specifically the reason astrology couldn't coexist within Christianity was that it counteracted the idea of free will, hmm. which there have been a lot of people that are like, Meh, not really. Um, yeah. Especially like if we think of, you know, his whole take was that we couldn't look at like, you know, a horoscope or astrologers who are giving advice to someone on, you know, specifically like what to do, where to go, whatever. Um, and that that would interfere with this idea of having free will. So in his take, it would have been like, well, then that's telling you exactly what your life is going to be. Whereas mm. in reality, I feel like, you know, you can take it or leave it like with right. astrology, you know, like we could think of this whole idea of like, well, what's different then between astrology and like a prophecy of like mm -hmm. saying something's going to happen? I mean, the book of Revelation or like things like that right. or, you know, where we're saying a specific event is going to happen. So anyways, I digress. But um, Augustine, Augustine was very against it. Thomas Aquinas also thought that it was, you know, not really compatible with Christian theology. Mm -hmm. um, well, and Aquinas and Aristotle had a whole thing too, didn't they? Yeah. Isn't that a, that's a thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Aquinas followed Aristotle in a proposing that the stars ruled the imperfect sublunary body while attempting to reconcile astrology with Christianity mm. um, by stating that God ruled the soul. So he had this whole theory, if I'm, if I'm remembering correctly, that there's kind of these two different types of astrology. And right. so that one part is fine. And then the part that's like predicting things is not uh -huh. so fine. So, and that was very common with a lot of the, like Augustine was like, never. Mm -hmm. And then there were several other people that were like, well, there's different types of astrology, you know, who kind right. of like categorized it in different places. So yeah. yeah. Okay. That makes sense. I knew yeah. that they had been paired together at some yeah, point. Yeah. So, I mean, I think the attitude really started to shift, um, particularly in the Renaissance. It was very popular. Um, a lot of like artists and writers would actually act as like court astrologers to like make money on the side to fund their other like projects. Mm -hmm. In Elizabethan Europe, um, it was also super, super popular. Like mm -hmm. everyone was essentially like, you know, would do horoscopes and would try to figure out like, you know, would go to astrologers to figure out what they need to do, get advice on like right. anything. Right. Um, which I think is fascinating. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah. I know, I mean, it's also something I think if 
I recall correctly, is still like pretty predominant and popular in Eastern culture as well. Yeah. Even mm-hmm. now, you know, right. which yes. I think like as Christian history evolves on, as we know, mm-hmm. like that shift starts to get more and more Western. Right. Um, but I think that's kind of an interesting layer to it as well. It's yeah. like, it's a conversation in certain spaces, but not necessarily in others. Even so. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So I think like this is where we can start to have a conversation around like opening up the way that we view it. Because I think for so long, because there were some pre- predominant Christian voices telling us that we couldn't have astrology within mm-hmm. Christianity, I think it's important to view like, okay, well, how how can we view it in a way that doesn't detract because I don't think it detracts from right. God or you know I think they can wholly be like compatible um but yeah I know there was um one space that I read that talked about how astrology is similar to exegesis mm-hmm. in the sense of like you know that is to interpreting the bible as astrology is to interpreting the heavens um and that it's both an active interpretation and reading which I thought I was like cool that. it's like Yeah, because I mean, I think that's where in some of the conversations around stuff like astrology or like other spiritual practices that feel less, um, I don't don't even want to say tangible, more like less kind of like staunchly Christian within this like parameters that we've outlined, um, that we get this like major disconnect in actual like spiritual connection and connection to the world around us and being able to see God in things. Mm -hmm. Like I feel like the more I've gotten into, I mean, cheesily, like the more I get into paying attention to the moon cycles, for example, the more attention I'm just paying to things in general. Like I'm recognizing the weather's changing. I'm recognizing what's happening in the earth around me. There's more of a connection to the world and not just like me individually within myself. Yeah. Um, and I think it is in some ways like similar to conversations we've had around like crystals or tarot or other things that are deemed more like spiritual, yeah. maybe less than like religiously Christian. Um, that there's a way to encounter divine and pretty much anything if your intention is to encounter the divine. Right. Right. Absolutely. And I think with anything, like for some people, astrology is just never going to be a way that they connect with Mm -hmm. the divine. Right. Like Austin very much does not like astrology. He's not an astrology guy. No. (laughs) (laughs) Who, Austin? No. But I think, um, but, but then like some people I know, like that is such an important part. And in my mind, I feel like there is no accident that throughout all of human history, we've been so deeply fascinated Mm -hmm. with the planets, with the moon, with the sun, like so much imagery, religious tradition, like spiritual practice has always related back to the planetary like cycles and movements. And I mean, our whole calendar, you know, like is based around like our physical bodies sink to it. Right. Like, and this is something that came up, um, I took a class and it was honestly, it was like really hard because I don't know anything about physics. Um, but it was a womanism and physics class. And so it like overlapped the two and like linked the parallels between concepts of womanism and concepts we find in physics, which is like the natural order of the world. Right. Yeah. It was really, it was really interesting. But if you don't know Uh anything about physics, it was really overwhelming. Okay. That is something I'd want to watch several Ted talks on. I would not want to have to be graded. Yeah, it was rough. Um, but (laughs) It did kind of like provoke this similar thought process for me of like the stars and the planets, all of them are made up and composed of things that are similar to the very things that we are made up and composed of. Right. And so to be created on this planet is to be created with the same elements that other things are Uh, created in. Yes. 
And at the same time, it, the entire existence of the earth as science would believe it to have existed has not existed in a way that was sustainable for human life the entire time. Mm. So even now that we are alive, like the sheer, like unique Mm-hmm. choice or a random miracle that we're alive is like yeah. a huge thing. And it has to do with the very composition of this planet, which is directly impacted by the way in which right. we are in proximity to this planet, to the sun, to the right. stars that surround us. Like it's, it is all so, so specific Yes, that I struggle to see the separation in the two. And because of that, it's hard for me to then see how, if I am to believe that I can see God in the creation of the world and in the sustaining of life on the world and the planets and the stars and the universe, then why could I not also assume that there is some strategy to the exact moment in which I was born in this big system? Yes. Because it took billions of Mm -hmm. years for the right environment to have been created for me to even be able to be born in the first place yeah absolutely I'm with you I mean obviously we're on the same page yes we're friends for a reason but (laughs) I think that like it is all so like ah just divinely put together of I feel like it is all so interconnected I mean I think all things living and non-living like just because we're all within the same universe and we're made up of literally like such similar we're made up of the stars right Dust to dust, baby, but it's yes. all stardust. Right. Uh, like, I feel like it just all has to be so interconnected. Mm-hmm. And so, um, to be honest, I am very much a newbie to astrology, but I think it's so fascinating. Um, just the whole idea of, like, you know, your natal chart and, like, looking at where the planets were, like, when you were born or just, like, you know, these ages of um, different signs. And anyways, uh, it's just so cool. Right. And as you were saying that too, and like even the, the idea of um, ancestral lines and ancestral yeah. ties and that like time, we perceive time as linear, but time is not necessarily mm-hmm. linear, right? Mm-hmm. And we know today that our understanding of astrology as it relates to our faith practice is something that is like talked about perhaps yeah. more than it used to be. But that wasn't necessarily the case for, you know, the lines of people which created us today as well. Right. And so in some ways, like studying that and seeing how things reoccur and things overlap, like it's a cool way to be connected to spiritually, like those who are coming before you yeah. and after you and around you. Um, I don't know. I feel like there's an element of wonder that exists to it and whether or not you feel like you can take anything out of it I think even just being able to appreciate the like sheer wonder that exists in recognizing right. how these things overlap is Absolutely. like a healthy practice right and you know y- some people again may not see anything out of like horoscopes or anything out of looking at those things but I think that it they're definitely moral of this story is mm-hmm. that there is room to be able to connect spiritually with these things and that there has been a practice and a history of seeing spiritual practice within mm-hmm. those things. Like it's not like we're trying to add something back into Christianity that was never there before. We can see throughout scripture where it talks about like planets and astrology and things like that. I um, mean, yeah. I'm just looking at, you've got it obviously in Matthew, right? You see something a little bit about Jesus alluding to it in right. signs in the sun, moon and stars in Luke. Right. You've got the book of Daniel talks about astrology yes. all the time. You've got stuff in Jeremiah. You've got stuff in the book of Enoch. If you want to yes. step out a little bit, yeah. like 
It's in there. It really is. Which, okay, I'm so glad you just brought up Enoch because I had this note and then like totally glazed over it. Um, we've talked about Enoch briefly. I feel like it's come up a lot in the past couple episodes. Such an interesting text. Which is a whole like it other really conversation about like, yeah. why does Enoch keep getting the boot? Because it sounds like it's in all this cool right. stuff. We, that is such a fascinating, <laughs> I was just having this conversation with my dad, but the book of Enoch is one of those weird books that it's not canonized. Mm-hmm. There's only, I think in only in Ethiopian Orthodox it is, is it still canonized. Every other tradition, it's not canonized. It's not in the Apocrypha. Um, but we talk, we get so much of our lore and our Christian mythology yep. from Enoch, right? Yep. Like, it's so fascinating. Um, like, the devil, angels falling, like, all that stuff. The whole, like, Leviathan trope, um, which go back and listen to our Fantastic Beasts episode. Just a little plug. But... Um, <laughs> So there is like a specific, the book of Enoch literally talks about how like evil entered into the world. And it was this whole idea of these angels who came to earth and then like taught humans evil quote unquote things. Um, But the interesting thing is, um, so there was these angels that like came down and one of the things that they taught was the knowledge of astrology. That's one of the things listed. But the interesting thing is that the the knowledge that was taught by these rebel angels was aimed to change and control the physical world for their own gain. Hmm. Whereas then there are these good angels that teach the prophet Enoch astrology as well in order to teach Enoch how to see and understand the system. So a lot of people look at astrology and say like, oh, well, in Enoch, it says that like, it's bad because they did that and that was bad and that's how evil came into the world. But there's also a part later on where good angels teach Enoch how to understand it in order to better understand the entire world. So again, it's not the thing itself. It's the intention behind the mm-hmm. thing, which is something we come back to over and over again. Oh, and then while you're talking about that, another plug to go back and listen to the creation episode. But one of the things that comes up a lot in creation theology right is this idea of ordering the chaos yeah and so when god came in and created the world that really what god did was come in and give order to the chaos and so this idea um presented in this right that there was a way in which to engage like chaos has to exist on a spectrum in Mm -hmm. order for it to need to be ordered Mm -hmm. so to know that there's a way to interpret something in both a positive or negative light in the balance of that chaos Mm. to then better understand how yeah. The world is ordered and how it works yeah. makes a lot of sense in yeah. the bigger picture of things. Oh, wow. Okay, okay. <laughs> I have one more thing that okay. I thought was so interesting and I feel like you will like particularly. I read that and I was like, I'm going to write this down for Maddie later. Oh my God, I'm ready. Um, okay, so there was this one blog that I read where um, she was talking about how um, astrologers denote specific astrological ages and that they occur approximately every 2,150 years. And it's okay. like, on average, you know, that's a big time frame, so it's not like clockwork. But um, how they believe, um, looking back, that the age of Christianity started with the transition into the age of Pisces, mm-hmm. which is interesting because the Pisces symbol is a fish, and the symbol that Christians use, early Christians use, in order to denote themselves was mm-hmm. a fish. Um, so there were a lot of like interesting little tie ins there. I was like, okay, that seems like a little too coincidental. Um, I'm but, obsessed with that. Right. So, anyways, so the Pisces astrological symbol was fish. 
Um, and, you know, we talked about Jesus as the fisher of men. Um, the Pisces values are like spirituality, compassion, sacrifice, service to others, and faith, um, which is fascinating because I feel like those are a lot of the things like I don't think um, the author was talking about how she didn't think it was an accident that the world's largest religion started in that age mm -hmm. with it being such a specific focus on like religion, compassion, sacrifice, and service. And how the author was also talking about how, and a lot of people, you know, have talked about this, but how we're sort of entering into this new age mm -hmm. and being the age of Aquarius and how that's all about sort of like revolution and rethinking. And anyways, I thought that was so fascinating because I knew about the age of Aquarius bit, but I had never thought of the like, when did the last age start and what yeah. was it? And so that whole idea of it being age of Pisces, I thought that was really cool. I love that. It also reminded me um, of another thing that I saw and it's like an, I didn't read into it too much, um, but it would be worth giving it a Google. Um, so there's 12 disciples and there's 12 yeah. like astrological right. signs. And so there have been conversations that I know have happened where they've attempted to essentially like ascribe a sign to a disciple yeah. to talk about this kind of the mm -hmm. same concept of like, the intentionality behind 12. Yes. Um, and the way in which Jesus like almost steps into all 12, which would be mm -hmm. pretty much everyone mm -hmm. and f engages with everyone and figures out a way to then bring forth the gospel to right. everyone throughout all of the signs yeah. and how there's like specific ways in which each are gifted, um, the things that they wrestle with, the way that God like encounters them in those mm -hmm. spaces. And that plays into this idea of things having order in which we also have order and we play a mm -hmm. part in this bigger order. Okay. So that ties exactly that. <laughs> we are, we are on a good back and forth right now. Um, this plays exactly into one of the things I was reading about, like where we can see astrology within scripture was about how some people look back and see that same exact thing in the story of Joseph, because mm -hmm. Joseph has that dream of all the other 12, like bowing towards him and how some people look back and they're like, Oh, well that's Joseph stepping into like being the 12th, like Zodiac sign. It's like sort of imagery of being like mm -hmm. the 12 signs and you've got like 12 tribes of Israel. And so I feel like that, and people often like, you know, look back at sort of the 12, 12 tribes and how that mirrors like the 12 disciples. Anyways, we do see the number 12, like so mm -hmm. often throughout scripture yeah. as well as other like significant, um, astrological things. And numerology is huge in right. scripture yeah, and that's a whole other study, but like yes. all of that stuff is really big. And I think for me in this conversation, any other like spiritual conversation, I mean, kind of where I come down to a lot of things is like kind of asking yourself like the relationship that you intend to have with that thing. Yeah. Like what just generally like what is your why behind it? Because I'm growing more to this place where I feel like if I feel drawn to exploring something mm -hmm. or if there feels like I'm being pulled to something, mm -hmm. it's worth at least giving it a Google you yeah. know, like I feel like trusting that you're being drawn to something for a reason or there's like an, like right now, as I'm saying this three, three, three is the time on the clock, oh, right? Like trusting in that, like maybe there's something to that. And even if you have no idea what it is, it doesn't make any sense. Like mm -hmm. it maybe it doesn't have to, I think it's just a means of like paying attention to things right? and perhaps considering that there might be another thing or another layer that you just haven't uncovered yet that mm -hmm. exists by like engaging something that feels out of your comfort zone a little bit. Uh, or right in it. Yeah. You know, like for me, I'm like, this is my jam. Yeah. Tell me what all the numbers mean. Yeah. I think that's fun. Uh, I'm with you. I think figuring out what things draw us closer, you know, to God, to the divine. Um, and I feel like this is one thing that like, again, as I mentioned, I'm kind of a baby to astrology, but especially because like 
I'm Aquarius, but I never related to anything out there that talks about Aquarius. And it wasn't until I like digged deeper into it where it talks about like, you know, what you present to the world Mm -hmm. and like all the other specific things about like when you were born where I was like, oh my gosh. Um, But I feel like as I've dived deeper into astrology and sort of like my specific um, signs, learning more about the ways that I interact in the world. And I have seen some truth in those things similarly to like Mm -hmm. I would with the Enneagram or like Myers-Briggs, you know, like things that can tell us like and yes like some people argue that you know it's us putting meaning onto those things but also what's the harm in that if it's something where you are like through looking at astrology and doing some inner processing and figuring out the ways you interact with the world like I don't Mm -hmm. I don't know if it matters like I think like that's it we do that with everything right like Like, everything has to be ascribed interpretation yeah so and I know like I know from like my own experience the more like you said, I learn about myself and the more I come to understand like what is a sun sign? What is a moon sign? Right. I'm an Aries and a Taurus and both of those things are very accurate. Like <laughs> I I was talking to my therapist about it the other day and she said something and I was like, oh God, yeah, I do do that. <laughs> you know, I do present that way. That is what I do in my free time. Mm-hmm. How did you know that? And she's mm-hmm. like, well, that's what your chart says. And I was like, listen. <laughs> I don't need to be called out like <laughs> <I know>. that. <laughs> you were already calling me out for other seen. things. That yeah. doesn't need to happen. But like, there is a level of, again, understanding how the system yeah. works. I just really like that. Yes. Um, so, you know, it's worth a Google. Yeah. Oh, uh, wow. This was fun. I know. I enjoyed oh, the combo. Good research, Reebs. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Killing I, it. You know how much I love research. I know. So I so went great. down a deep rabbit hole. It's so great. Yeah. Um, well, friends, we have some questions that we would love to know first off what is your chart like yeah what's your sign Mm -hmm. let us know let's talk about it um and then also like what has your relationship been to astrology have you is this your first time considering it as something you might work in your practice have you heard anything before do you still have questions about how it might relate like let's be in conversation about that um if you're listening on Spotify, we'll have questions up with the episode so you can kind of engage with us there. Absolutely. Um, and you can message us on Instagram anytime. Please, we'll have some please, ways please. to engage. We yeah. love to talk. Um, so let us know. And if you like this episode, you want to share it with people, please do that. Follow us. <laughs> oh, God. Hang on. <laughs> Shot down. Um, and if you like this episode, you know, feel free to share it with someone. If you think there's someone who would enjoy it. You can follow us. We would love for you to do that. Follow mm-hmm. us on social media, on Instagram, on TikTok. Um, follow us wherever you stream the show. Um, and just let us know that you're listening. Yeah. Uh, thank you guys so, so, so much. You're doing great. And Merry Almost Christmas season. Mer- yeah. Merry Almost Christmas. Happy Advent. <laughs>